Hi, I'm your host, Gregory Causey, and this is Just Cause. What's your question? Why do you believe in public education? To me, it's interconnected with so many of the things that I hold dear. The idea of democracy, civil liberties, very much that people, um, market forces are able to make proper choices. To me, it is very important for society to have a solid baseline of education uh, for the masses. And that if it's provided and can provide critical thought and those aspects and done in a manner where people are going to school with a wide variety of good cross-section of that society, I believe that it is a magical thing that occurs and I think it makes society work. And so I'm very, very pleased to be in a country and in a province where public education is looked upon as being a, a solid foundation. And I think many of the countries that have great success in this world have strong foundations as it relates to their public education systems, where majority of the people of that society buy in and uh, have their kids go to public schools. I was born in the US, I went to school in the United States, and we do tend to compare ourselves a lot to our neighbors to the south. And it is one of the aspects where some Canadians and even Americans and people around the world don't you know, sometimes know the difference. Uh, but there are some strike dif stark differences between the two countries. And one of them, of course, is comes from our education systems. Yes, they have public schools down there, but very much it is a component of you got to pay to play. That if you want a good school, you better live in a good neighborhood because their schools are very much uh, supported by public education. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Kentucky is one of the few states that does it like we do that pulls money together and then distributes it uh, equally um, to the public schools. In the United States, they're very much set up by districts and where you live has a major determinant as to the level of funding that that school in your area gets. And that's one of the things real estate agents in that country will do. Um, you know, you want to live in a good area for good schools. We have that to an extent up here in Canada. Um, but for the most part, wherever you go, they're getting the same amount of dollars, um, for each school. And that's where there is this greater amount of equity among our schools because of this centralized funding model. And part of the idea behind that is that, you know, it not only are you um, going to schools with a wide cross section of people, uh, but there isn't the look of, well, I'm going to go to this school because it's better and it has more funding or it, it has better facilities or difference than this other school. Um, they're looked upon as a greater quality uh, than it is in the United States, where there is a stark difference. Even amongst the public schools that you'll have that because they are funded again by property tax, so good area, good school, um, but you also have a private component where there's been a loss of confidence within the public schools, particularly on the lower end of the spectrum, and it's almost given in a negative connotation. And because there's more of an entrepreneurial spirit in that country um, and more of a choice-oriented aspect to them, they are um, pushed towards the ideals of, well, 
I'm going to pay for it private. Private's better. And in fact, a number of poor countries around the world, because they do not have the monies um, as uh, to fund proper public institutions, um, private is the way to go. And that's why many immigrants coming into this country sometimes will look, oh, public, that must be awful, because where I come from, private is better. And so they pay, uh, expect to pay for that. Um, and because we all want what's best for our kids, they'll they'll pay for it and and not necessarily have the same respect or understanding of our public education system and how its funding works. And for the most part, most people live in communities where there's not a lot of choice as it relates to private education or charter schools or different things of that that it is in the United States. Um, my biggest fear uh, for it is that I see what is in the United States and I can very easily see it happening here in Canada. You're already starting to see it in some of the major centers and particularly out West where people lose confidence within the public system and will move out of it. I do believe that in a capitalist society that there is going to be some aspects of, unfortunately, inequality um, that occurs because you have people through means or otherwise that want to differentiate themselves and where you live and everything aspect of it. I want my kids to go to a good school. There's that aspect of it. But if you can start with a general baseline of at least that the funding that all schools are getting is equal, I think that is a great starting point. And if there's enough buy-in, you get the magic of the person to your right may be their parents or, or doctors, physicians, very affluent, and it may be the people to your left in the class, uh, parents are in social assistance. And it's through that mixing and understanding of learning with people of a great cross-section that you get the magic of public education to work. If it is all of one group, you lose that magic. You lose that perspective and understanding. And it's one of the things in traveling and one of the things of talking to Americans that you can very much tell that they're kind of understanding of the world is very much wrapped up into their perspectives that they gained in their schools. I'm very fortunate enough to go to schools of a great cross-section to teach within schools that have a good cross-section of students. And I believe that there's a great magic and perspective and understanding that comes. You know, we talk about all the curriculum and all the aspects, but I believe the true magic is who that you were, who uh, in the class you were learning with, learning that curriculum is, is just not important, if not more, for all the benefits that you're going to get. Because if you want market choices, if you don't want the government making choices and you want to put more onus on people, then they have to have a solid education to make those choices. If you want good government in a democratic system, you need people to make proper choices as it relates to um, elections and the rest. And so again, a lot of our system is put on to people to make proper choices. And if you're going to have that level of responsibility, then you have to put the, the money and everything else and the resources to make sure that your public education is solid, but you have to make sure that you're creating the conditions for um, public education to be enjoyed by a solid cross-section. There's always going to be religious schools, different things. And if people want to separate themselves, even through homeschooling and the rest, that's fine. It shouldn't be necessarily dictated that you have to do this, but we should very much put in almost like we do with our healthcare system, that it's somewhat restrictive, or certainly this is the easier, more preferred route uh, for you to send your kids 
to school and that we very much have to be, it's important that we make sure that our resources and everything else are put there. That's why, you know, there's sometimes um, people say, you know, you're anti-teacher or anti-teacher rants. No, very much supportive of teachers. But as I've said before, because I'm a very strong public ed education advocate, I don't like it when unions do a scorched earth policy of going after public education as a way in which for them to get more money. They're just one cog within the system. And I don't like when they suck all the oxygen in the room. Um, so public education, really important in getting buy-in. The one thing that I do see right now that concerns me with public education is this idea of a push for equity. Uh, within the system, which I very much believe is is solid as it supported Peoples for Education. Um, and Kidder has put that program together, pushing um, for that. And it's it's warranted. The idea that I have to pay all these fees to go to a certain, to a public school, I paid my taxes, there shouldn't be any more. And that, that allowing the bake sales and the fundraising and all the stuff that parent councils, I was the chair of my own kids uh, school council. So I know that fundraising and parents advocacy can very much make the difference between you know, a good school and a bad school that's getting the same amount of funding. And really the teacher mix out of it is, is taken out of it. Yes, you can have certain schools with better teachers or whatever, but for the most part, they move around and that evolves. So really the big difference is parent involvement and the money that parents are able to advocate. You know, this school has a band or has musical instruments. The school does not. What? Where did they get the funding for that? And people will look at it, you know, why do they get a band that we don't? That's not fair. That's not equitable. And they're right um, with it. And so it is an aspect of you're starting to get into that idea of, a, oh, I live in this neighborhood, so it's a good school. The other school, not as involved with the parents. And that's a big thing that parents of schools that flourish, it's that their parents, not only the money, because money is one thing, but it's the time and involvement that they'll put within the schools. That's the key determinant of success of parents being able to get involved and advocate and push. You know, poor families or ones that are working all the time, they don't have the time and the resources and whatever to um, push and lobby uh, for various things where other active parent groups are able to do that. And that creates the, the discrepancy as well. And so there has been a push of let's remove the fees or remove the fundraising, remove uh, that ability for more affluent schools and more affluent areas and more involved parents to create this level of equity. The fear I have is that if you drive that out and th those groups out, they're going to find another means. People are very much... Um, as we all are, as it relates to, to their kids. And if you don't have kids, if you soon do, or you can very much appreciate that you would do anything for them. And so that's where they're going to push. They'll, they'll find other means in which to put their kids in positions where they have the band, they have the sports, they have their extracurriculars. And, um, I do believe in the, the pursuit of creating the equity within the system it's how it is done that can maintain that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater of trying to eliminate all things. So let's just start off with what I believe are the three things that are uh, 
impacting public education right now on this with this drive for equity. And the one is the the fees themselves and you know charging and the fundraising and that aspect as it relates to it is um, is a key thing. And again, if you're going to want to deal with that, um, there are some strategies and different things uh, for it that I would look to it. Um, the other is this meritocracy and attack on it. This idea of this, uh, we can't achieve equality of um, opportunity. So we're going to create a quality of, op- uh, of outcome. And that is something that um, you see creeping into the system, which I don't think will uh, serves the system well. And finally, the last one, particularly here in Ontario, this idea of de-streaming, particularly, and again, this is a high school or secondary issue, um, but not wanting kids at different levels because there might be inherent reasons why certain kids in disadvantaged groups are um, at in certain classes and maybe not in academic classes. And we'll discuss how um, that can be handled. But those are three things that are at the forefront of this equity push. And again, my concern, if not done thoughtfully, if not done properly, uh, it will drive out that three things, those money, the power, and the influence that um, the parents have. Um, that is a very important goal. And you want that group in there to advocate and push for it. All components, again, we need all components of the of, of uh, society for public education to work. And we have to have enough people buying in that even if people have money, they're like, yeah, but I'm still sending my kids to public education because I think it's the best education that they will get, um, bar none. And if we have that, you're always going to have people on the lower end who have limited choice who will go to the public education system. It's at the higher end where people who have choice. And if there's not choices present currently, they will look to governments to, hey, give me my tax break, give me my charter, and also my kids where I can go. In some cases, that even happens, looking in the United States, has happened in the poor level. Even Democratic um, governors and Democratic states have said, you know what, this system's broken. Uh, here, take your money, and if you can get your kid to a better charter school and opportunity, who are we to stand in the way? We've, they've in some cases, given up on the very, their own systems. They still have them in play, but um, they're not looked upon as being, you know, something that's solid. The United States, everyone, oh, public school is a dirty word. No, depends where you live. Some public schools are Taj Mahal's down there, again, because of the property tax base that uh, surrounds them. Others, yeah, you'd be, whew, this is not you just facilities and everything else and teachers don't want to teach there and so it can it can it can evolve into that and that's where i have to be careful of it so equity believe in it the fundraising aspect of things yeah a lot of people will say, well, we charge a student fee so that we can do on our programs and different things uh, for it. I've been in schools that charge you know, a minimal amount, charge a you know higher amount, usually under, you know, max I've heard is like 50 bucks per student. Um, it was always done under the guise of, you know, well, this is an activity fee um, for various things. And they, while not mandatory, they can't make them mandatory. It's given the appearance to parents and everything else that this is mandatory. Well, you won't be able to get this or do this if you don't pay for this fee. You shouldn't be doing that in public education. And so I get that when I've heard that to eliminate those things. Yeah. 
And some will say, well, you know, we'll make it optional. Like we charge you know, $100 for the prom or, or for this activity or for this field trip. You know, if you don't want to pay it, no problem. We can, we can make up for it. We don't discourage anyone or not disallow anyone from going. Correct. But the idea of just making optional doesn't work because, well, somebody comes home, they get the note. I want to participate in this. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't afford this. Okay. They don't hand in the form. They don't let you know. Cause in order to have that person go on the trip or do any of the, that, that things they they have to announce that to you and disclose, yeah, we, we can't afford it. Not too many people want to do that. Like, think about it. Would you want to do that? You just, you know, just don't hand things in or we can't go or I'm busy that day or whatever. We've got something. And it's, you're putting people in an embarrassing situation. And um, again, teachers have to have a greater appreciation of that. And that's one of the things where when teachers get paid, as they should, I'm not arguing they shouldn't, but when you get to a certain socioeconomic class, lose a perspective of the understanding of people who are the other aspect of the socioeconomic scale who we can't afford it. And while you don't want to discourage it, well, we can, we can afford that. You're putting the onus on them. So yeah, the, the fees themselves, you have to get smarter with it. This idea that the government will come in and fund the money for it, that would be nice, but I don't think you can always expect that depending upon the levels of government for it. And to be fair, whenever they throw money into education as they're about to do, right now you have teacher unions going to be screaming for, hey, we want more of that money. We want the 5% raise or whatever. Not, hey, we want to put this money towards uh, student fees or different things to be able to run viable programs in our schools. No, no, pay us first. Then the rest of the stuff comes next. So if you there is money towards the system. It's just where it's going. And so if you're expecting that governments are going to necessarily come up with a shortfall, no, that's not going to happen. But there are some things um, that you can do. Um, you can look to do fundraising, but do it under a pool system of it so that, again, that you're spreading like insurance, that there's not this rich and poor. If anything, very Schools that recognize, hey, we're in a good neighborhood and everything, adopt or have a sister school from an area in your board or an area where it's not as strong and use the money to be spread out evenly for that. So have the fundraising, but you got to lose this idea of it being, you know, our school and we're just taking care of our school, that there is this shared understanding that um, there is an equity in the system. So what can we do for it? So still have the fundraising, but do it within a group of schools and pull that money together for schools to do it. So don't take away the opportunity to fundraise, just change the way in which that it is done. And, you know, you can do it for the school, sister schools as an idea of cultural exchange, if anything, so that, again, that joys of public education, that you're surrounding yourself from from people from all backgrounds, if you within your board or within your um, school area don't have or have schools that are inequitable, then bring them together, have them do cultural exchange, have them do fundraising activities together, pull that money uh, to do it. There is going to have to be some pullback from things, you know, schools wanting to do because they have the means and money that almost want to push towards what well, we have a better school because we have this and this. You got to lose that aspect of it. And there should be some standards. No, you're not spending that amount of money on these activities. So boards pushing back to largesse. 
do that. Um, and if there's excess funds or different things, is again, it should be done and pooled and fundraising done on that um Basis and school board should be looking to foster that aspect of fundraising activities done on things. Sports, I've coached. You don't. We don't have to play. You know, go here and play them twice. You know, I love games. I love things. But there's times within the season. Why are we playing them this many times? Why are we doing this? Have to be smarter with scheduling, busing, and other activities. There is an aspect where if you start to limit the funds, just like with any budgeting tightening exercise, you soon find where the priorities are. And I do believe that if you have this, you know, can just charge students whatever for things, then you don't have that ability. Yeah, you may not run every sport under the sun, that there may be the ones that are the most participative should be the ones that are running. And just because the teacher has an interest in certain things doesn't mean that that necessarily uh, runs because that requires money that gets pulled from other things. So find, do things smarter with it. And so there is an aspect of that. And wherever schools can share money, share buses, facilities, if not being done so already, that's an aspect to handle it. Doesn't mean that you eliminate fees, but we do have to be smarter in terms of where we're spending the money and looking to pull the fundraising for it to mitigate the inequity that can exist uh, from doing so. The other one is the the de-streaming. Currently, right now, because there is a push that certain groups are, well, just in 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 secondary level, we've always had. You may be aware that you know the basic general um, advanced classes. Now they're applied academic and uh, workplace level, and that even my own kids, you know, hey, they were recommended for this level uh, for it. And so you, if a parent doesn't know and doesn't know, okay, that's where they go, fine. Um, a lot of changes, though, occur because that recommendation is done at the elementary level. And in my experience, kids change, attitudes change and different things for it. Yes, certain kids have learning disabilities and other issues um, that maybe a certain level would be best for them. But I believe there's such a difference. And unfortunately, within our system, a lack of coordination between secondary and elementary and an understanding between what is required between the two that I find with grade nine being open. I've taught grade nine open courses. I think that there is um, value in having those assessments done at the secondary level and then giving parents the choice afterwards, particularly if they're going into certain pathways uh, at that point in time, they're looking to go on to post-secondary and others, that parents are making that choice as to where it's going. And it's not fine if you want to take the educator's recommendation out of it. Um, if it's asked, if parents ask, you know, what recommended, they can certainly provide that. But it's parent choice as to what courses they want to take after that point in time. And um, that's certainly the case right now still in um, the elementary level, but it is very much uh, pushed in almost a manner where is if you weren't um, engaged in the system, I think some parents are, oh, I, they, they were told to go the applied level, so we're going applied. You don't have to. Oh, I, I don't even think it's given as much of a choice. It should be more parent choice towards it, but still after grade nine, having the opportunities for it because you want it to be where kids are going into classes where there is a degree of 
choice that they're there and an understanding that this is the the route that they're looking to go and that the courses themselves should be more designed for the certain pathways and not just be well it's this class but it's at a uh, a lower level that it should be more destined uh towards certain pathways and i don't think our curriculum does that enough if we're going to go to this model and so that's something that can be looked upon but I don't necessarily think that's going to necessarily be terrible. I think there can be changes and things going forward with it, but there are some who look at it and say, well, these classrooms, when you have a variety of kids together, can be difficult. So if you want to push the streaming, as the government seems to do from a, a cost standpoint, then you need to put together greater emphasis on classroom management. Classroom management was something that we discussed when I was in teacher's college. Hasn't been a lot discussed from PD and everything else. And I walked by certain rooms and some teachers have difficulty handling even a academic classroom, let alone one that has a greater cross-section. And there are techniques and different things that by that good teachers know that that work in terms of being able to handle and manage a room and that needs to be shared and that needs to be put more at the forefront because there's going to be some challenges going forward with uh, a de-steamed classroom where you have it being open level and all various skill level of students and again if not done properly then people who are kids are academic oriented and very achievement oriented if they look at the class as being a zoo and not fulfilling their needs there will be pushback for that and so that's where i do think that this is naturally going to have some evolution with it and will hopefully get to a good place going forward but there are going to be some growing pains with that the last one that uh, to discuss is just this idea of de-streaming and um sorry, not de-streaming, the idea of this attack on meritocracy. And this is an aspect where, fine, you want to deal with um, creating equity from a financial situation, but it's other when it moves into the political philosophy that, you know what, the system is broken, um, it's not equitable, it's um, problematic for um, disadvantage for minority groups. And I get, um, that concern, but it's, to me, it's a defeatist attitude. I very strongly believe in equality of opportunity of creating a system in which there is this idea that everyone's given an equal footing, that the finish line or the starting line is a line where everyone is starting from the same point. And I get that we're not there. But the idea then we're going to change all aspects of um, achievement to equalize it, I don't think uh, matches human spirit, human innovation, all aspects. I think you're going against the grain and I believe that will turn off people. If you're not rewarding hard work, if you're not rewarding that innovation and it is looked upon as being punitive, that will cause people to look towards the systems of excellence because you hear that in you know buzzword in a lot of charter and private schools. You know, we're focused on excellence and achievement and that you can, you know, have those aspects. That has to still be within our public education system. This idea of excellence and academic performance are key elements that can't be dismissed 
within our system. And how do you foster that? It's continually looking at ways in which as we're doing with, with addressing issues of equity so that we can see how do we make this starting line as equal as possible. If we're still going to have the rewards and different things at the finish line, then we have to get this starting line as equitable as possible and doing it in a thoughtful manner, but recognizing that we're not going to go and get rid of the academic celebrations and the graduations and the different things and achievement and student awards. You know, I've heard some school, why aren't you doing student awards? Well, certain students are at not a disadvantaged and aren't achieving. So it's looked upon as an, an equitable. Well, then create the conditions of so that your system is equitable and celebrate the achievement. You have to recognize that and in some cases where I'm hearing at certain school boards not wanting graduations or, uh, you know, celebrations of different things uh, because of equity. And, you know, for some students, if they're graduating, I've, I've seen it with COVID and part of it is COVID. Part of it is, again, this cash crunch and moving towards things that there was more muted grads, graduations. And for the affluent kids or the academic kids who are going on to post-secondary, this probably won't be their last graduation. And some of their parents will be like, you know what, this is all right, but they'll go have another one at university or college or wherever they go. For some kids, this may be it. And if anything, you know, this should be something that we very much celebrate their accomplishment and everything else for it. It is for them that we want to have a good celebrations and uh, achievement and different things for it. So don't push those things away, celebrate it more, foster an environment of equity, and then celebrate the achievement within it. Don't get rid of that because that is another piece that will alienate the money, power, and influence, again, of a group that's very much needed within the system. And I've said jokingly to my kids and different things, you know, I, I want you when you're, when you have kids that you still have confidence of sending your kids to, um, public education for the betterment of society. If it's looked upon, Hmm, no, I, I want other things. Then yes, you may look at, well, what does it matter? Private school doesn't matter. You lose a lot of aspects. If you want to have a strong democracy, you need a strong public education system. And we have to be constantly on the lookout of trying to protect the system and make it work for the vast majority.